0: Hello, hello, welcome to the Mother Days podcast. I am your host, Sarah Wright Olson. And I'm Teresa Palmer. Hey, daisies. We are
1: sitting with virtually an amazing guest, (laughs) Dr. Siggy. Sarah has been so excited, (laughs) actually, (laughs) for months and months and months. She's like, I can't wait. When we heard that you said yes to coming on the podcast, like she literally freaked out. And we have been anticipating this day with beta breath. So here we are. Thank you for joining us, Dr. Siggy. Thank you so much.
2: I'm excited as well. Yeah. Thank you. And I'm so happy to meet you both. Oh, uh, I'm
0: so happy to meet you too. Although like I feel like I know you, which is silly, but I because I I read so much of your amazing advice and, you know, I listen to you on Instagram. You guys, if you don't follow Dr. Siggy on Instagram, you have got to go check her out. Mm-hmm. She has an amazing website, so many incredible resources. I have to throw that out there right now because I feel like I lean on her and her advice so much.
1: Do you know how much cash back you're leaving on the table settling for the wrong credit card? Imagine earning up to 5% cash back on your groceries for the next 30 years. Think of all that cash back on those overpriced kombuchas. NerdWallet helps everyone make smarter financial decisions today that future you will thank you for. With NerdWallet, you won't regret missing out on rewards. NerdWallet lets you compare smart cashback credit cards side by side to make the most of your everyday spending. So what could future you do with more cashback? As with all cars, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply.
0: Dr. Siggy has been a child developmental specialist for over three decades and she shares so much on her platform um, and it's just like the most amazing resource and I just feel so grateful and I was telling her when I direct messaged her (laughs) on Instagram I was like my husband and my nanny and I we just we send around like all of these little things from her all the time because I'll be like oh today was a really hard day you know this was happening and And then, you know, Sonia, my nanny, will send me something from Dr. Siggy. And she's like, actually, she just said something about this, you know, and then Uh. she'll like send it in. So anyway, I just... um I just feel so grateful that you're here and you have, you know, some of the most amazing tools that I've ever seen on Instagram, your posts about like meltdowns, boundaries, communication, gentle parenting. You have inspired so many people. Um, I would love to start by because I think that like everyone's definition of gentle parenting can be, you know, kind of far out there. And so I would love to hear from you what you say gentle parenting is just to sort of have like an understanding. Understanding for our listeners.
2: Yes, absolutely. That's such a good point. And actually, I had a conversation about it yesterday with someone who explained to me what they think gentle parenting is all about. And I was like, that's why people misuse it. That's so right. her explanation was when I was growing up, my mom always just said, that's just the way it is and never explained anything to me. And so I have, I explain everything to my child. I tell them why. I tell them the because. I run everything. And I said, that's the biggest misconception about gentle parenting is because we were not explained. Now we over explain. Yes. <laughs> and the idea behind it is that it feels respectful, right? I'm mm-hmm. respecting my child by letting them know but letting a child know what is going on is not the same as running everything by them and also is not the same as misunderstanding their ability to truly understand what we're saying. And I mean Mm -hmm. that in one way, logic. Our logic relies on obviously our development and where we are in our life because of the way we've learned, experienced, accumulated knowledge, and also the way our brain actually um, is formatted at this point to be able to understand logic. My four-year-old, my seven-year-old, even sometimes my 11-year-old's logic is not the same because it's based much more on their feelings, not Mm -hmm. necessarily on facts and information. It's not based in a um, experience so much. It's based on their soul experience, which is really very subjective. So you see, I am explaining these things from my point of view thinking. My child understands this is dangerous. We do this because you have to do that because, because. And let me tell you why. It's healthy. It's not good for you. It's yes, this is good for you. The future. And we go on and on. All these reasons, all these facts are true. But in that moment that my child is sort of like challenging me. Or um, talks back or just somehow defies or just refuses, right? No, that logic doesn't actually get through because they're stuck in their emotions Mm. and their emotions are their logic. And we know how that plays on, right? I mean, the way I feel is the way things are. Well, (laughs) the way I feel (laughs) is not always the way things are. Mm Mm-hmm. Do you see how? Yeah. So back to that that. gentle parenting is not necessarily explaining everything and running everything through our children. I honestly Mm. do think that sometimes we truly do respect them more when we take the lead, when Mm. we are the CEO or the authority. When mm. we are in command and say, hey, guys, this is what we need to do now. I actually respect them more because I am a better leader than they are. And I'm mm. going to lead them into functionality, responsibility, what we need to do before we just what, what we want to do. I'm going to lead them there to the better development. They're just going to take me around and around in themselves because they're kind of like, this is what I want. This is what I want. This is what I don't want. So, respectful parenting is truly me knowing the difference between me and my child, understanding the gap in our development. Mm. I'm not dumping everything on them, I'm not forcing. I am simply being a really good leader and mentor because. I've acquired the knowledge and the experience to be that. You had such a great example of that on your
0: Instagram where you said um, it was just like about getting ice cream. So it was about logic versus like and so you said, um, you know, okay, so we're not going to have ice cream today. One example was we're not going to have ice cream today because it's not good for our bodies and it's not healthy. And like, you know, the sugar can spike our insulin and blah, 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 blah. That was like the over explaining. Right. Which, by the way, I do that a lot. So, (laughs) and then the other version was, you know, we're not having ice cream today. I know that's gonna, that could make you sad and that's okay, but we're not doing that today. And that's, The end of it, right? So it was like a very clear, like this is our boundary. We're not doing this, but we're not over-explaining it and saying Mm. like it's causing this and this and this. So anyway, I thought that was such a great example of what you were talking about, and I remember just reading that the other day because I was like, oh yeah, I do go on and on, and your kid's brain is going like, what? Like I'm not listening to any,
1: (laughs) not hearing any of that. (laughs) I find myself saying that as well. I do the same thing. Yeah, I'll be like it's my job as your mom to like really help teach you and guide you. I, I hear myself <laughs> saying that all the time. I'm like, Oh, like is that what, should I be saying that? I just don't know. <laughs> He's like, you're the boss. Like you're always the boss of me. And I was like, but that is a part of my role as your mom <laughs> <laughs>
2: yes, oh boy. which is, you know, I say this, it's okay for kids to challenge us to, mm-hmm. um, you know, sort of like trigger to provoke our thinking, it really is okay, mainly to express themselves, but just because they have the right to voice themselves, which they do. It doesn't mean they always know what they're really saying long term. So Mm -hmm. it's true. All these things that I say about, you know, when I explain the ice cream is not good for you, sugar, this and that and that. It's all very long term. But right now I am four. I am six. I want ice cream. And you know what? My brain cannot think long term because I don't uh... have that perspective. I don't actually I hear your words but do I really know what you mean by health and body and sugar? (laughs) Yes. And And then my fear is that, they'll
1: feel shamed next time they have the ice cream. I always get in my head about it. Like if I've like drilled into them, how bad it is for them. And then I actually (laughs) let them have it. They'll be like, but then mom was saying how bad this is. And now all of a sudden we're having it. Like, does she actually care about our health or or like they feel really guilty (laughs) having a piece of like sugar.
2: Yeah. So it's so interesting. So true. You're right. We rob them of the moment. You yeah, know, yes. when we do give ice cream, we don't want the guilt. I mean, who wants that guilt? Yes. Look, if I choose to have ice cream, let me enjoy it, right? Not feel guilty with every and shame and look around who's watching me <laughs> and counting my <laughs> calories. Yes. <laughs>
1: Yes, I'm always like life is meant to be enjoyed. And then sometimes they're going to indulge in those things that like, yeah, that's probably not the best for their body in the moment, but they're having fun. And by the way, how many ice creams and how much junk food? I mean, I consumed a lot in my childhood and I think I turned out okay.
2: <laughs> See, you're still healthy. You're absolutely right. Because, oh. yeah, cause, you know, I just want to say this, if we expand our mind, it's not based on one thing our health development, everything is so much more complex. So constantly Mm -hmm. lecturing about these few details, which they've already heard. They've heard it so many times, as opposed to just saying, maybe I can even say to a four-year-old, to a seven-year-old, you actually know ice cream is not good all the time, but it is fun. It is good. And which is why we have it sometimes. I mean, isn't that so much oh, more authentic than it yeah, is? Love- yeah.
1: All right, guys, we are a couple of tired mamas and all we do is crave a spa day and we deserve it. It's a value pack of two luxurious body care moisturizers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion, both featuring OSEA's signature, uplifting, all-natural citrusy scent. All right, as you guys know, we are we are busy mums, we are dog mums, business mums, performance mums, school board mums. Life gets hectic. That's why we rely on our tried and tested go-to's to alleviate some of the chaos. Nerd wallet helps you by maximizing your everyday spending, whether it's groceries for the week, drinks
0: with friends, or a nice family meal. Do you know how much cash back you're leaving on the table settling for the wrong credit card? Imagine earning up to 5% cash back on your groceries for the next 30 years. I mean, come on, guys. Think of all the cash back that you're going to get on those kombuchas, on those frozen pizzas. NerdWallet helps everyone make smarter financial decisions today that future you will thank you for. With NerdWallet, you won't regret missing out on rewards.
1: NerdWallet lets you compare smart cash back credit cards side by side to make the most of your everyday spending. So what could future you do with more cashback? Uh, a silent meditation retreat in Peru, a sweat lodge in India, whatever it is, make it happen with a smarter
0: cashback credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. finance smarter. As with all credit cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply.
1: You mentioned being like triggered by your kids. And so Sarah and I have talked that, you know, we both have like kids in our family that trigger us more than potentially the other kids. And I think I pinpoint it to. I'm so similar to my child that triggers me more. I see behaviors in them that I am actively working on in myself. And so I feel more inclined to like teach them to work on that part of themselves because I know that that's my own tendency that I have my own shame surrounding. But then I'm noticing that that child in my family feels like, oh, I'm coming down on them more than the others. And it's true. That is the one that triggers me the most. I wanted to ask you about that. Have you had other parents come to you with those sort of situations? And how do you how do you deal with that when you know you're being triggered because like it's a mirror, they're holding up a mirror?
2: You're absolutely right. That's a great question. And I can say, Definitely, almost 100%. Every family has that child that triggers the parents more. Maybe one versus the other, but every family has that child. The child that somehow is more in your face, tries to get under your skin more. For some reason, whatever it is that they do is more challenging to you. And some of it has to do with them being similar to you, especially if they are, like you say, reflecting back to you, your weaknesses. right? Yeah. Yes. And now what you want to do is to take that weakness away from them by saying, no, no, don't be this way. Don't be this way. Look at me. Yeah. I'm struggling so much. I'm working on me not being this way. Wow. The reality is you cannot do that. You can't take somebody's weakness away from them just because that's what you want. Mm -hmm. But what you can do is over time, learn or help them recognize their weaknesses, but also their strength. Because we want to shift the idea about our weaknesses. Having a weakness is not us being inferior, less than. Having a weakness is just, real (laughs) it's part of the human condition we all have weaknesses and we are also scared about our weaknesses but what we don't realize is that we also have strength and the strength are not only there to balance but they're also to remind us that the strength is actually what pulls us through the weaknesses Mm -hmm. you know if we're good in one area it doesn't mean we're good in another But the fact that we can be good in one area can give us enough confidence, self-value, grounding to pull us from that, I'm not good, I'm the worst, I'm you know, that kind of poor me place because I notice my weaknesses. So back to just being triggered by your child. Face their weaknesses as this is just what it is. I don't have to fear be anxious about their weaknesses so much because i am scared for them and for me i we all have weaknesses that's number one factor uh-huh. about the human condition and actually what i can do is not fix it for them now is help them gain the tools that they need the skills over time to help themselves mm. so maybe you recognize the weakness And it's not by asking, why do you always, why are you always, Mm -hmm. stop doing that, you know, look at you, right? We tend to point a finger in that what we think is an inquisitive or just a regular question, but it's really more an accusative Mm -hmm. question. Yes. I think you're so right. (laughs) Yeah. So So we want to make, yeah, we want to basically recognize, I see that this is, you know, something you tend to do. Now, here is where the real tool comes in. Do you also see that? Because what do we not have that stands in our way a lot? Awareness. Mm -hmm. Mm. So awareness is what we need in order to make a change. Without awareness, there's no change. Without awareness, there's actually a lot of resistance because people point a finger at us and make us feel Guilty or shame mm. about the ways in which we are. And we try to avoid and get away from it. Children do that too, right? Yeah. So if I'm being aware, not pointed a finger at, it, if I'm aware, that's the light that I need to be able to go, oh, yeah. So I want to ask wow. my child something like that by me making an observation, non judgmental. I notice that often you do this or this is how. Do you also notice that? And of course, a four-year-old conversation such as that, and a twelve yes. year old it's not the same. But you know we can downgrade upgrade conversations and make and give a very simple example right there mm. in the moment to each of them. But what we're doing is helping them not feel judged and hide their weaknesses or act out their weaknesses, but by becoming aware. But a weakness is normal, typical, something we all have, and we can actually work on it. It's not anything shameful or to feel guilty about. Oh, yeah. I mean that that makes me think of the
0: outbursts that happen you know like that makes me think of like those moments when you know my husband and I were always like okay you know we have to make sure that we have really clear boundaries especially with you know a child that what like what Teresa's talking about when you have a child that's you know maybe like a little bit more triggering or whatever it is like you want to make sure you have boundaries so it's like you know I also want to help with giving tools and when the outbursts Happen And they're big screaming, yelling, all of that. Boy, like the alarms that go off in your body, right? They're like, it's crazy. You're just like, whoa, this is so intense. And I've found myself now as a parent of three, um, realizing that there's some moments in which that alarm goes off and then my emotion is meeting their emotion and like it's too too big and too crazy and then there's moments when the alarm goes off and then I tell myself okay I'm okay I'm okay take a deep breath wow, I see you're really frustrated. You're really, you know, this is, this is really not what you wanted to happen, you know? And then they're like screaming and I see you're screaming. It's not really safe for you to scream in the car right now. You know, we're going to have to bring that down just a little bit in the car because you know, whatever it is. And so noticing, talking about showing them like those moments definitely have helped me along that journey with the outbursts. But I would love for you to give a couple of examples of like when an Outbursts happen and a kid is like you know so mad about something that somebody did or they didn't get something that they wanted or you know whatever smoothie yes we just had this situation it's (laughs) like I want the smoothie and you're like, well, we're not having smoothie right now, you know, and um, and then my husband and I, I guess the second part of that is like the you know sometimes we utilize like okay we're gonna have a moment in the thinking chair and the thinking chair is like where we sit together and we take a deep breath and we let our bodies calm down and then we sort of talk through like wow that was that felt really big like let's talk about it what happened there you know and so anyway that's my two parter question but. Can can you just speak to these outbursts that happen and what we can do as parents and like, are there tools or situation examples that you have for that?
2: Yes, absolutely. And I want to connect it to the other one, the, the question before, just by saying that the child that triggers us is not only because they reflect our us to ourselves, right? They're a mirror. You know, one child can be triggering because they are just more impulsive reactive emotional intense um they're more confrontational feisty they can be more of risk takers right they're not so go with the flow and let's just do whatever mom wants because they read the, the room better so some of them are triggering just because of truly who they are so yes these triggers do happen the outbursts where we can't handle it we have such a hard time We are tired. We're exhausted. There's a lot going on. It's the end of the day or on the way somewhere in the car, one of the worst at the checkout line, right? I mean, suddenly, yeah, they want something.
0: The worst. The worst. All these
2: moments, they catch us at our worst and our, it's not like, okay, we're laid back and fine. Now have an outburst because I can handle it. It's like, yeah, it's the, yeah, they dump it on us in the wrong kind of way at the wrong time. So what do we do? You're absolutely right. Very, very difficult. One of the ways is always remember less is more. Okay. Less talking, less suggesting, less trying to fix it. Because here is what is going on with your child. They're being emotional. Their emotions are like the entire container. Mm. And now we're trying to talk some sense into them. That doesn't work. You can't have logic with a wild animal you know try to explain <laughs> to them why yeah. he shouldn't be now trying to eat you alive that's oh, so yeah.
0: true oh my, oh my god, that is so true so right. true and
1: adults are the same way when i'm like crazy and yeah. mid-argument i'm like
2: Ugh, you're just yeah, in that fight exactly. or flight feeling yes And one of the worst things that can happen is if somebody tells us, relax, enough, why are you so angry, right? Basically, like, one, we can't respond to that. That's only even more provoking to us and challenging us, and it's not supportive. What we want is to recognize that when a child is acting out like that, there's a lot going on inside them for sure. How they are expressing it is mainly the number one thing we want them to stop. Not stopping how they feel. That's mm-hmm. what we sometimes forget. That we want them to get through that anger and frustration and disappointment. Come on, let's calm down. Let's do this Think, Talk. Which is okay. But we're skipping a step. Yeah. The step here is what we want is actually for our child to learn to contain that emotion much better and then be able to express it in the appropriate way. What it means is I see you very angry. Whoa, hey, uh uh-uh, the screaming way too much. But you can stay angry. You see, we tend to sort of like group together the emotion and the action and I want to separate. Stay angry. I don't want to fix this. I don't want to tell you to, no, don't be angry and think about this. Logic will come, you know, sort of kick in in a minute, but not yet. First, I just want to teach my child to contain how they're feeling better because at this point they can't. See, Mm. I'm not trying to do it with a toddler, but I'm definitely doing it as they are more able to do that. So I see you very angry. Tell me, tell me how angry you are. Now they're doing this. This is showing me how angry you are. Yes. I want you to use words. Tell me how angry you are. It's okay that you're angry. That's what I'm saying. Keep them in that emotion before you tell them to transition out of it by Mm. using all these tools and skills, which are good, but they're skipping that. First, I'm here. Tell me, use words, because here's what I want to say. Think about it like that. If I am very upset at you and I storm out of the room and I slam a door, that is how I tell you with my action how upset I am at you. Yes. It's very antisocial, it's very provocative, it's it's not appropriate. But if I am standing right there in front of you saying, wow. Sarah, right now I'm so angry, I really want to storm out of the room and slam a door. I'm not going to do it. But that's how it feels. Notice what happens right away. You have compassion towards me. Yes, you get it. I communicated even something so extreme. I still communicated it in a way that you were able to truly support and respond to me. That's what I mean. Tell me how angry you are. It's okay. I am so angry. I can now. I'm going to slam a door. I'm going to run away. Mm. No, we're not going to do that. But I know it feels like that, right? You really want to like scream and yell and even think. I want to break something. I'm not going to do it again. Do you see how we can use words? We can use communication to express ourselves, that's pro-social. That's appropriate. That's Mm. what we want. Before we skip that to telling our children, come on, just calm yourself down. Calm your body. You cannot throw, hit, um, scratch, kick, me or anything. You can't use your body to tell me how you feel. But you can use your words and thoughts and even images Does it feel like a volcano? Does it feel like Mm. you are a roaring lion? Are you about to erupt? Tell me. It's okay to use metaphors are very, very helpful. That's what we want to do. Keep them in that emotion.
1: That is amazing. I was navigating a tantrum in real time. As you were saying that, my two-year-old was having a tantrum and I had my mic (laughs) muted because my mom came in to take her and she was like,
0: no, I want to stay with money. And I was like, wow,
1: this is happening in real time. In real
0: time. Oh, it's so hard. It's it's so
1: hard when they're little though too. Yeah, Yeah, because I feel like they have the tools of communication when they're older and you can be like, I see that. Like this is a safe place for your feelings. Your feelings are okay with me. And when they're little, it's really hard. Sarah and I have both been dealing with little toddler tantrums as we're night weaning them. And gosh, uh, it's it's a different beast when they're not fully able to understand, like, the reasons why we're making a choice. So that's, that's really interesting. I, I find it yeah. hard, like, on one end, like, the oldest and then the youngest, like... And the tendency to want to over-explain everything. I love how you said about keeping it simple. That is something uh, I, that's such a gem because yes. I have that tendency to over-explain as
0: a result of things not being communicated to me when I was a kid. So, yeah, right. yeah. I definitely have had this moment with one of my kids. It's happened with a, with two of them, but um, with one of them where – my child will be like, you know, there's the screaming version, exactly what you're talking about. And then there's the version when it's like, I am so mad right now. I just want to take this chair and throw it against the wall. And I'm like, (laughs) and I, I see that and I totally understand how upset you are. And I can see that's very frustrating for you. And I was like, I'm just going to sit here with you. I'm going to hug you, you know, but I, it like makes me cry when they do that when they say that like internally I'm like it it fills me with so much joy and makes me teary because I'm like oh my gosh this is exactly what I want them to be doing like I want mm-hmm. them to tell me like I, it feels like fire inside and I'm so mad instead of like you know going and bashing something against the wall or like screaming and yelling and hitting but the moments when it actually all comes together and they're they're able to express how they're feeling with their words and communicate to you you and you're like seeing it in real time, like, wait, this is actually working. It feels so good because, you know, you're just like, oh, they've got a tool in their toolbox because, you know, when you're 15 years old you can't scream and yell at your teacher or your friend or whatever and throw things across the room that's just not we can't do that you know and so it's like giving them that tool to say like wow I am really frustrated right now that really has upset me and I need a minute I need to breathe you know my daughter she's always like I need to breathe I need to take a breath I'm really mad and I'm like (laughs) awesome
1: let's do it right for labeling it (laughs) I love it yes Yeah. yeah Oh. Yeah.
2: You're absolutely right. And I just want to say, Teresa, by the way, with your toddler and even after you want to not just say the words, it's so important that we almost mimic the mm. intonation of how it feels to them. Like, well, yes, I know you really want mommy. Yeah. can uh. have mommy. I know. I know. Yes. It's almost like you are reflecting back mm. because children don't just hear the words and process yeah. the information. They feel there's a whole thing that goes on Ugh. with their brain that they need to almost see, sense, you know, it's very sensory, even language yes. is sensory. And that's that so, is so even, true. Yeah. Even with older, like your child says, I want to slam it though, I want to throw the chair. And you're like, you can match that. Wow. Yeah. That's kind of like, of course, we're not going to do it. But I know it tells me that you are this angry. Like, to the max yes mm. uh-huh now you can also start applying or employing like you know their proaction. what would you like to do about it rather than me always suggesting let's do this how about you do that come to 10 look at 10 red things you know all that stuff what really does work for each individual is not the same so the That's tools right. are here but we want our child to also know to pick the tool for them, and maybe also the right tool for the time, because we can't just use one tool. there isn't mm-hmm. just one fix, so I can see you very, yes, disappointed, angry, and now we talked about it, uh-uh, not with screaming, no, no, but yes, keep talking to keep telling me wow, if there's a moment now you can start actually allowing them or guiding them to think about it. So what would you like to do about this? Do you have an idea? Is there any way you can help yourself right now? Like Mm. your daughter says, I need a moment. Let her know. You know what, sweetie? This is how actually you are helping yourself. This is pretty good. Does it always work? Do you ever do something else? Because once again, awareness is what we want them to have. And also the recognition that They have lots of ways to solve problems, not just one.
1: Wow. I had to mute my mic because... (laughs) I heard. Can you hear?
0: (laughs) Just for a second,
1: I heard her screaming. I can hear hear the little like heels going back of my oh my, my poor mom is like dealing with my daughter having such a meltdown oh, wow yeah. is that like it's so amazing that this is happening right now in real time as we're talking yes. about all this sort of stuff yes. um yeah I I did want to ask you about um sibling rivalry and fighting. I saw this amazing thing on Instagram that you posted about it, which you gave like three tips on how to deal with siblings when they're fighting. And I so appreciated everything that you said, because I definitely feel like when there's such an obvious one of them in the wrong where you feel like, okay, this one's made such a poor choice and it's feeling really unfair. I have definitely pinpointed that person out and been like, that was so unfair. Like I saw what happened. And like, do you see how that affected your sibling? And Sarah was saying she does the same thing (laughs) in her household. And I'm like, it's so easy to to take sides and you talk about the importance of not doing that even if there's a clear person in the wrong um can you speak (laughs) a bit more to that and also the idea of throwing it back to them in terms of finding a solution i just loved all of this i was like oh my god i'm gonna apply all of this to the next sibling (laughs) fight we have
2: (laughs) yes you're absolutely right it is so hard to not seek justice right there especially as you are clearly seeing the wrong on the right Uh, it's so hard not to rescue one child and reprimand another yeah and what we're missing when it comes to these types of interventions is their dynamic and what they're taking from it Mm. so when they look at us from their perspective they're seeing exactly that you're siding with one and typically that one you're siding with will become the one that seeks that protection from you this is how they actually continue to somehow add to the dynamic the sibling dynamic they it's you know I'm not thinking I'm not saying that they completely mastermind that but they definitely mm-hmm. get stuck in a certain role and the one yes. that always becomes the stop that that's not okay why are you doing that sort of like the instigator the bully the bad yeah. guy yeah yeah actually learns to be really good at being bad yeah Mm. (laughs) so what they're taking from it is how we assign roles we think that we're basically just helping them manage the fight and what they're taking from that is how we see their fights as good and bad right and wrong and not their Uh. connection to one another which is so much more complex than what meets the eye You see one grabbing, you see one took, you hear the screaming, you see maybe the push. You see all that. That's the tip of the iceberg. Underneath it, there is a lot of fights that are happening continuously on place in the family, on competitiveness, on Mm -hmm. dominance, control, strengths and weaknesses, on trying to understand my place in the family, my place in the world. Who is this other person? How do we sort of like reflect one another? How do we trigger each other? Which Mm -hmm. is what people do to one another, All the time. All the time.
1: proximity. That's so so true. true. My (laughs) kids turn things into competitions all the time. And that's why I'm like, why does this have to be a competition? Everything's such a competition. I'm like, it's so unfair in my head. It's so unfair because my oldest is almost three years older than the younger one. I'm like, so in me, I get so like,
0: this isn't fair. Protective, yeah. I get protective, Yeah. 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 I mean, it's hard to in those situations where you're like, I you know, like, let's say you're like getting ready for school in the morning and, you know, you're making food and getting ready and like filling up water bottles and all the things. And there's like a fight that happens between them. And, you know, one of them is just like trying to push the buttons of the other one. And so you're like, oh, and I've found myself sometimes just being like, guys, you can figure it out. You don't need me. You you figure it out. Is that OK to say <laughs> or should what else should I say in this situation? Because you're like, I'm busy. I mean, I'm trying to get everything together and get out the door it's like i can't take a minute to stop right now and go okay what's this situation how can i help you like mm-hmm. you know like i want to do question. that but sometimes you're like i have so seven minutes to get them out the door like do i just tell them like go
2: figure it out or do i how do i help right so go figure it out figure it out guys <laughs> can't sound exactly yeah <laughs> Can't sound dismissive and notice what you're saying. I can't deal with it. So you figure it out. That's right. (laughs) Yeah. So I make it more about me and somehow I'm sort of like throwing them back into it on their own. I don't know that they can do it without the actual guidance and foundation. Yes. So we don't want to say just that. go figure it out now. Not yet. At one point we can, guys, I think you can figure this out. Because now you can rely on experience, but you have to accumulate first this experience. Right. Right. So back to, yes, a lot of the fights happen. And you were saying, you know, Sarah, you were saying like, just now he found the moment to trigger his brother. No, he's trying to trigger you. Yeah. The fights happen. They don't happen in isolation. Most of the time, you're not hearing it somewhere on the other side of the house. It's like right there, especially Mm -hmm. when they're little. They are fighting to get you to intervene. They're fighting to get your attention, to grab something out of you, to affirm themselves. I mean, there's all that back again to what it is that they need. So what you want is to actually constantly do the same like, whoa, okay, there's a fight right now. I can see, well, he's scared this. He did, she did, whatever, you know, it's like, ah, uh, yeah, I know, I know. You guys are fighting. Basically, when I start just like that, and sometimes I can tell you, I don't do anything other than that because Mm, all I just did is compartmentalize that they're fighting and Mm. normalized it. I normalized it. Okay, we fight. It's not like, what's going on? What did you do? Why did you do? Mm. Stop now. I can't. Notice how much more I add to something so simple a moment in time. Mm. Treated like that a lot. Whoa. Now, if you physically need to come in, because, you know, it's like, whoa, hey, okay, uh uh-uh. No, we're not going to do that. Yeah. We're not going to do that. And again, I'm staying so outside of that chaos. By that, I model to them that nothing so extreme is happening. Nobody needs to really lose sight of, you know, what's going on. It's like, okay, guys, right? It's almost like that, you know, moment of like clarity. We take it from this extreme, like, whoa, to like, oh, okay, not a big deal. That's when we can handle almost anything so much better. Yeah. Yeah. So your first and number one role is to bring it to right here. All right, guys. Yeah. And now you can maybe do some guidance. Okay, what do we need to do? I don't know that a fight is the right thing. See, sometimes I can even use some little bit of humor. Right now, fighting, I think we have other things going on. Can you guys (laughs) keep the fight to another time? And they're like, what is she talking about? Right. Yeah, I think you still need to put your shoes on. You still didn't brush your teeth. So how Mm -hmm. about you do that? Functionality needs to take over. Not like why and stop and don't do it and none of that. So I am in the mode of the CEO that's managing everything, Mm. getting everybody back in line and I'm not dismissive. Yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. I love that. I love love that. that. Okay. You said something amazing on your Instagram as well. Guys, you all need to be following her. I know. (laughs) Because every day this like little jewel gets dropped and I'm like, oh my God, that's so profound. Like it's so game game changing. Um, So I loved, loved, loved what you said about fear and anxiety that they'll you know, the, the fear that the anxiety, it'll attach to anything. So maybe it's like the monster in the closet or nighttime, the fear starts coming up. And, you know, um, we as parents were so quick to be like, there's no such thing as monsters. You're totally safe. Like no one's going to kidnap you, whatever it is. <laughs> but my, I do find that my kids are afraid to go to sleep on their own at nighttime. And I lie with them, and we have a whole routine and all that sort of stuff. And um, you said, like, you know, you couldn't label it. I see, I see you're feeling scared right now. And um, you can say, like, I'm scared and I don't like it, but I'm also safe that you you specifically said that they can stand up to that scared feeling from the inside. Like you know i am safe i'm okay even when i'm scared and you're not you're not forcing the fear to go away you're actually focusing on the fear itself and you're coping through it and i just thought that was so remarkable it was a different approach to what I think a lot of people want to do is like just get like if there's even this spray like the monsters spray that people have <laughs> and like you spray it in the room and it gets rid of the bad monsters and I've done that before because I'm like at a wit's end um I wanted to ask about that and then also how we differentiate the fear from like instinctual fear like if there's like a dodgy person around, or if there's an environmental danger where the fear actually protects us, do we have to teach them the difference between real danger and perceived danger? I just want to ask you, how do you navigate all of
2: those things? Yeah, very, very true and very good. So let's go back to even just that little example, the monster under my bed and how much we try to get rid of the monster under my bed. The monster is in my head, actually. And yeah. that's why, you see, because no matter how much we try to tell a child, you know, the monster is not under your bed. There's nothing there. The spray, let's get rid of it. Let's, you know, yeah. the thoughts, we, you know, the, the, the darkness, the demons, the fears, the anxiety, the monsters, whatever it is, so ingrained in us, it is part of our wiring, you're right. It's absolutely necessary. And it was very, very necessary, you know, when we were in the jungle and we were about to meet a lion and Mm -hmm. we needed to make a split second decision of what to do right now, because there is a real lion in the jungle.
1: Yes. But
2: 90% of the time in real life, there are no lions actually. And yet our fear continues to be triggered because it's just there. It's alive and kicking. So the reason I said what I said is because we want to help our children recognize that it isn't within them, the fear, but the fear takes over. Flight or fright is something that must take over completely in that split second of life and death. But in most other cases, it shouldn't take over. It can be there present, but I'm not in that dire state that I have to really act and react so quickly, I can employ other parts of me. So I have fear, I can have courage, I have fear, Mm. I can have sensibility, I have fear and anxiety, I have other places in my brain that can actually think through it, take me, lead me away from it or out of it, or I have all these parts. So that's actually what we're talking about. The fear is inside you. It's right there. I know it doesn't feel good. We don't like to feel that. What can you do to make that fear inside you go away? Is there another part of your brain that can make you brave or can make you, I don't know, a superhero? I bet you can because you have your imagination. It's there. It's inside you. That's the the strength, you know. Courage is not not being afraid. Encourages is the ability to get myself through the fear to the other side. Do it anyway, right? We say feel the fear, do it anyway. So you're trying to teach your child to ride a bike or to swim, right? Like here are survival fears, real ones. For example, why are we, you know, why do our children afraid of water? Because primal fear is right there. I'm going to actually drown. Mm-hmm. Nobody has to tell that to us. It's we're born with that. Yeah. And so that primal fear is right there. And of course, the water now is a threat. It's dangerous. And you're like, come on, I'll catch you. I mean, it's fine. Don't worry. And everything's okay. And you can't, but the fear. So actually what I want to say, because it's still there, I want to say you are scared of the water. Tell me, what does it feel like? What's going to happen or falling off the bike? What's going to happen? because you know if we think about it we've been in water we take a bath you've had water come down your face you don't like it but you're kind of alive um you've even been in the pool and you drank a little water doesn't feel good but it did happen before and i'm not trying to convince i'm actually just throwing sensibility there sort of like letting my child recognize the fear is in you, but all these other experiences are there as well. So, you're afraid of falling off the bike? What will happen if you fall off, let's say? I don't want to, I don't want to. Uh, yeah, of course not, but what will happen if you fall? I will hurt. Uh huh. Did that ever happen before? Did you ever fall before? Not maybe off the bike, but you fell, yeah. Was it, was it hard? Yeah. Did you like it? No. But did it turn out okay? And now you can even, and then Mm. what happened? I don't even have to say, now what happened? I got a bandaid. You give me a hug. Um, and I can say, are you okay now? What am I telling my child? You've experienced difficult moments and you got through them. Yeah. Yeah. Meaning you can get through it. So all of it, you know, that's about fears and anxieties, which is very difficult. I don't think it's like, you know, a quick fix, but that's the idea of how we want to help our children build those resilience and coping skills from the inside to be able to think about fear, not what is scaring me right here, right now, then my parent can take away and then I'll, I'm I'm gonna be fine, because I'm gonna be faced with All sorts of fears that nobody can predict, and I don't even mean like real danger. All sorts of fears, a fear of, you know, I mean, the teacher walking in a test. I forgot my homework. What is this friend telling me? I mean, Mm. I'm going to have to learn all sorts of skills. They're going to scare me, even the most mundane and regular ones, right? Dribbling a ball or jumping, you know, through a hoop and so on. So... We want to let them know you're to, you are facing a fear. Absolutely, it's there inside you. What can you do about it? I bet you can. That's how it starts. That's um, that's
0: so great and such great advice because. I think that some and I don't know who told this to me, but I remember that I used to get a lot of stage fright and um, and somebody said to me at some point, you know, you instead of like trying to make it go away, just acknowledge it, like say, wow, I'm feeling really scared right now. I'm scared. I'm feeling anxious. I'm nervous. Like, I feel like I'm going to forget my lines or like whatever it is and just acknowledge it, say it out loud. And then, you know, take a couple of deep breaths and like, I'm still going to go out and do it, but I'm, I'm, I'm feeling a lot of fear. And it's funny because when that I would do that and tell myself that I would then go out there and like, instead of it feeling so, you know, how like anxiety can feel so crippling or like that fright Mm -hmm. can feel so crippling. It's like, it's released its hold a little bit. And then once I would get started and trying to like, say these lines or speech or like, you know, seeing or whatever it was, then that would go away. And so um, I feel like that applies to what you're saying, because, you know, if we talk to our kids about the monster under the bed, or, you know, getting on the bike or whatever it is, and say, like, you know, like, yes, like, we want to acknowledge that that fear is there like that you're feeling afraid. Um, and so I think that's, that's so awesome. And such a cool, it's a coping mechanism that I use as an adult, you know, on myself. And you think about like, of course, like, why not? Why, why are we not applying that to giving them that tool as yeah. little kids, which is so amazing. Yeah. I mean, do you find that these days, like, I feel like I hear a lot about kids and anxiety you know there's a lot of people talking about like oh you know my kid has anxiety or like you know there's anxious feelings or are we more aware of that is that a term that we use now or do we feel like that there's you know so much more exposure with devices and internet like is there is there more anxiety in children these days or is it more awareness
1: of yeah, what anxiety exactly. is and
0: there's more of a
1: narrative and a discussion
2: yes I think it's actually a combination and by the way I want to to say Teresa that real fear, you know am I mm. in real danger hopefully doesn't actually come about until later in life right. because children are actually supervised right yeah. for many 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 years when they're young, even in the schoolyard, even at a whatever play date or an enrichment class, they're still very much supervised and hopefully they are in a safe place. Maybe teenagers face real danger because they take real risks. That's a whole different way of how to help them actually understand that because by then it's the exact opposite. They're going to throw themselves into every risk, like, right? Nothing's going to happen to me. That's Mm -hmm, the whole, mm -hmm. you know, adolescent kind of feeling. And there we have to actually treat that very differently. But, um, and we can get into that if you want to, but I would say they're not facing a real bad guy or whatever they're not facing that you know hopefully at a young age but yes back to what you were saying yes I think there is way way more awareness to anxiety today and I also think that it is combined with the fact that we are so much more knowledgeable and experienced about the vast world out there than ever before and yeah. our children are as well they see more they hear more they're more involved we travel more and they're exposed to and everything's much bigger right the schoolyard there's more people in everywhere and anywhere they hear more stories so all together I think that yes our kids are way more anxious than ever before but here's another thing They definitely express themselves way more than before. And the one thing that I think we're doing really, really wrong is by trying to fix the anxiety for them. Mm. So they're not actually learning any coping skills. Because we are anxious about our kids facing that and we are more aware of it than ever before, we want to take it away from them. We have such a hard time that they're facing challenges and anxiety is a challenge whatever it is that I don't like that feels threatening to me that's anxiety so we lose sight their world is actually safer than we think their life is better than we sometimes uh, like to remember because we are thinking what more can I do what better can I do how can I fix it for them even more it's like how much more How much more? That actually doesn't allow them to truly learn to cope and face some difficulties that are within their own, you know, their scope of ability. So I would say, don't jump to fix. Let your children struggle within the obvious, you know, parameter that is appropriate. And let them, because of it, flex and practice and gain muscles to work through it so it's not not having anxiety it's learning or having a whole toolbox to deal with anxiety because we're all gonna face it we all have it it's there to stay for a while
0: I do have two quick questions from our listeners that I want to get to really quickly. So one of the questions from one of our listeners is that can you speak to the pressures that parents feel to provide their children with enrichment opportunities and when to encourage them along that path and when to allow them to quit? So it's like, you know, your kid signs up for jujitsu and they're like doing it and you get them the gear and like the whole thing. And then all of a sudden it's two weeks in and they're like, yeah, I'm not doing this anymore. And you're like, wait, what? Like I paid for 20 (laughs) classes, you have the gear, like, you know, you want to you don't want to like, push them and pressure them to do things. But at the same time, you're like, I want to give them that experience. And like, this could be good for them. So how how do you how would
2: you handle that? yeah um it definitely does happen and you know we there is a fine line between helping our children stay on commitment right keep their commitment and be accountable for what they want but also recognize that 90 percent of the time they have no clue what they're getting themselves into true that's so, true <laughs> so mm. i'm gonna do it i'll do it i love it and yeah two weeks into it it's like i didn't want that i right. did, i don't but yeah. you wanted it well you have to go back and I go you know <laughs> I thought exactly and when you asked your child are you sure you want it? they say yeah 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 they're still they still don't know what they're saying yeah. right? so you have to talk about it differently it's not all about wanting it's like I love that you want this um I think it's a great idea We are going to definitely try, I want to, let's take it down a notch because kids are very extreme. Once again, all in, all out. (laughs) We have to keep them somewhere in the middle. So, you know what, we're going to do it. I think it's a great idea. There is a possibility it's going to get a little difficult. Maybe at some point you're not going to do it because doing something over and over and over again Right. We all know the feeling. No, not today. No, I don't want to do it. Yeah, no. So I'm just telling you now, we're making a commitment for those, whatever, 20 weeks. And no matter what, it's going to be maybe a challenge. Look, if you love it all the 20 weeks, good. I mean, that's wonderful. But actually, I don't know. So we are going to try, but we're sticking this through. Love that. So, Mm, yeah.
0: So what I'm doing
2: is, right. So it's really breaking it down to the child's level, talking Mm. about it, not in a threatening kind of way, but explaining to them the journey ahead because they really don't have any clue. I also say, remember that your children not just don't know what they actually want, they don't know what they're good at and they are going to experience and experiment with a lot of different things, yes. which is a wonderful thing. We can give them a buffet of options. Um, try and see what your child I don't know, real talent, passion, Mm. and notice something like that. They don't have to be the best at any of these things. They just have to truly first enjoy. So maybe your child wants to quit because others are better. Say something like, you know, you're right. Some kids are better than you at this, whatever, basketball and so on. But when I'm watching you out there, I see you are enjoying it. So why mm-hmm. don't you just do it because of that? There's nothing wrong with, I'm having fun. I don't have to be the best. I want to be the best. That does require lots of other things. So be be real about all of I it. I love that. That's such, I that love is it. such great advice.
1: I'm like I feel regretful that I didn't follow through with things like I'm like I tried so many things I tried flute I tried a recorder I tried drums I tried keyboard I tried guitar cello I did all the things like dancing and volleyball oh wow netball softball I mean so the list goes on and I'm like oh wow I didn't I guess I stuck with acting that was the one I did but that's why I'm like with my kids I'm like all right we got to stick at it gotta, but yeah that's right oh, that's right I love, I love that. that
0: okay the last one here okay so she um, there's we have a, uh, a listener who asked about um, you know how we as parents can tend to feel really bad when our kid has like a big outburst in public. So, you know, you have like one kid who's like doing so well and, and, you know, you feel so proud, like your parenting is working and like whatever it is. And then you have another kid who like you go to a park meetup with a bunch of friends and your kid has a big act out, big outburst and whatever. And then you feel like these big feelings around it. So like, what would you say to that parent that's feeling like kind of hard on themselves about um, this kind of a situation where, you know, it, it like how challenging it is to not internalize perceptions of yourself as a parent based on your child's behaviors or specific
2: outcomes? Yeah, I would say two things. One, remind yourself that a lot of times what you do that works with one child is not only you, it's also them. They are the kind of people that, because there are kids like that and there are people like that. they are more go with the flow. They're better obedient, just, you know, it's just in them. They just kind of like understand or read the social um, scenario and map much better and they can regulate themselves. Some are like that. You're lucky when you have a kid like that So actually tell yourself, I am being a great parent. The fact that it's working most of the time with one of my kids, it's also due to them, not just to me. Now, I do have another child that's a little more challenging. It means that I have to actually think about my parenting of them a little more or differently. Mm -hmm. So remind yourself of that. It's not all good or bad, and it's not all up to you. But you can rethink, reframe, regroup which is the next thing. Your child's having a big outburst and you're in public, very embarrassing. Try to regroup, meaning it's like, almost like you want to say, whoa, I can see something so not working. You know, instead of like, what's the matter? Enough of that. Can't you see? People are looking, right? Yeah, just yeah. adding all yes. anxiety. Regrouping or I don't you know, it's almost like take a step back. Kind of like pause, like literally if you can pause. All right, let's assess the situation. You're having a hard time. Why? To tell you the truth, I'm not sure. But I bet that if we sit down right here and think about it, we can figure it out. And this is definitely difficult for me because I'm really not sure what's going on. We're at the park with this, we did, we did, you know. It's like, let's just sit and let's just kind of take a moment. Mm -hmm. Nothing. Nothing's gone, nothing's lost. I don't have to fix it right away. I have to actually step outside the chaos, pull my child mm. out of their somehow chaos, and just kind of take a moment. Because again, when emotions and reactions subside, sensibility kicks in naturally. I don't have to talk sense into my child so much. I actually have to just help them calm themselves down. And I can do this by calming myself down.
1: Oh, my goodness. You this is just incredible. I feel like I've been through just this incredible parenting course in the past hour at which you actually (laughs) you do offer that. Too, you have courses that people can take, and I know you have a bunch of complimentary um, seminars and whatnot. But you could people can actually like join up and start learning from you in this way, and um, and even just start at the Instagram, guys. I know there are so many people listening, just saying this is invaluable. This information is so important for people to be able to grasp and have access to. So thank you for taking the time, not only to share with us today on the podcast, but also the way you do on your platforms. It's, oh. it's so remarkable. And you can follow Dr. Siggy on Instagram at
0: dr.siggy, that's S-I-G-G-I-E. Dr. Siggy, thank you so, so much for coming on today to the Mother Days podcast. We are so grateful to have you and I will be posting up so many of your posts during the week Mm -hmm. of this um, episode just so that people can see the resources that we use all the time from Dr. Siggy. You can also go onto her website, drsiggy.com. She has amazing, you know, seminars and free access and resources and stuff, courses. So um, check that out and uh, we're just so grateful that you were here today yes. Dr. Siggy and you guys can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you Daisies. Bye. Bye. Thank you Bye,
2: Bye.